Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers in arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savages. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle, man to man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. That was the voice of General Dwight David Eisenhower, and this is Freedom's Call. Let freedom Devotion to duty and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. Now those are inspiring words for for the you know the most sober of events. And I mean, how do you how do you write a message when you know the carnage, death, and destruction that is about to come? And I often wonder what the mindset of a person could be when they speak or write, you know, words like this. How do you choose proper words in such a serious moment? And imagine how much this decision weighed on General Eisenhower's mind. Even he was uncertain of the success of this campaign to recapture France through the beaches of Normandy. So much so that he had also penned a letter that he kept in his jacket pocket. This, this letter took full responsibility for the failure of the, Normandy, of the Normandy invasion, should that be the outcome. Imagine the mindset it takes to sign on the dotted line and pledge your life to fight and defend liberty. Imagine being in those landing craft, hearing the machine gun fire ping against the bulkhead that was about, in just mere moments, would drop down drop you into four or five feet of water while you're taking that heavy enemy gunfire that was just rattling the outside and inside of your landing craft. And now you're out there in the water, trudging through barricades, the blockades, the the booby traps, the barbed wire to, to get to the beach to where you're even more exposed. To this enemy fire. Just imagine what it takes to believe in something that's greater than yourself 
and, and decide that you will give your life for that cause if that's what it takes. You know, I, I cannot fathom the decision, you know, at that point in time. You know, there have been pictures of those young men and those Laney craft as they headed towards Normandy. And you just look at the, you look at the fear in their eyes. Uh, many of their eyes are just understandably so. I mean, they're, they're concerned. They, they might be moments away from their death. And many were. I, I just can't even imagine that. You know, my father served in World War II, and he was a master sergeant in the Army Air Corps, and he, he served in Northern Africa and Italy. And, and being a history buff and very interested in World War II, you know, I'd ask my dad about the war and his experiences. Now, my dad was a strong man, but, but whenever I'd ask those questions, you, you could see the emotions churning in his eyes. He, he would not share much. The, the pain and the unimaginable events were too much to remember. And I imagine he had compartmentalized them in, you know, in, the, in the back of his mind, you know, tucking them away so to, not to remember them, but to never forget them either. And I soon, I soon stopped a, stopped asking those questions, and I didn't want to ca- cause my father, you know, any, any further pain from his experience in the service. He would tell me things here and there when we would watch films or documentaries about the war, and every once in a while he'd get a little too close to those painful memories, and the the story would end abruptly. And I would try to give him time, then change the subject to, you know, Cowboys football or Cardinal baseball or, or what we're going to have for dinner. Yeah, I don't believe it is proper to celebrate Veterans Day. It, it's more appropriate to honor Veterans Day. Part of the strength of our military is that we're a volunteer force, except in very limited, extraordinary circumstances. Our military faces many threats, and unfortunately, some of those threats are internal. I personally do not believe we have the political leadership to adequately adequately address a regional conflict, much less a worldwide one. Some of our military leaders appear to have allowed political posturing to supersede preparedness. Our Our soldiers, they deserve the best tools available to accomplish their missions while minimizing risk to them. I pray for the members of our military, and we all should. We'll be right back. This public affairs moment is presented by theconventionofstates.com. As loving parents, we work hard in order to give our children a quality education. We would go to extremes to give them that bright future they so richly deserve. If you're a parent with a huge interest in the future of your children, then you need to hear this. This is a public affairs moment from conventionofstates.com. What does your child know about American history, American civics, or our Constitution? Shockingly, most children have no idea about the answer. 
And you can't blame them. We've placed less emphasis on the history of our country. And surprisingly enough, our leaders don't care. There's a rich chance to grant your children the opportunity to learn about a fantastic part of American history. It talks about a smart move by the founders to reset the Constitution in case anything goes wrong with Article 5. If you're curious, visit conventionestates.com to satisfy that curiosity. You're listening to Freedom's Call on Key Radio, 89.3 Lake of the Ozarks. And now, here's your host, Brett Sterling. Welcome back, everybody, to Freedom's Call here on Key Radio, KEYK, 89.3 Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, I'm, I'm your host, Brett Sterling. And as always, if you want to uh, interact with our show, we hope, hope you will. We always enjoy reading our emails. Uh, you can email us at freedomscall89.3 at gmail.com. That's F-R-E-E-D-O-M-S-C-A-L-L 89.3 at gmail.com. Almost forgot how to spell the name of the show, but made it through. Uh, freedomscall89.3 at gmail.com. If you want to um, send us any questions, comments, suggested topics, um, you know, good uh uh, great, uh, great recipes. Good for all that stuff. So, so we've been looking at uh, you know here, here, here and there. You know about uh, the the absolute disaster on our southern border, and uh, you know it it uh, it kind of it kind of reminds me back. It makes me remember the the, the line back in uh, in uh, Dumb and Dumber, the good one, the first one. Uh, you know. It's like you know, whenever I whenever I think you couldn't do anything any dumber, you know, you go, you don't totally redeem yourself, but you actually outdo yourself. And this administration seems to be pretty good good about that. So there was a uh, a report that came out and uh, about uh, a proposed possible settlement, uh, the ACLU uh, suing the. Uh, the, the 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 federal government to on behalf of uh, immigrants who have crossed the border uh, illegally uh, during President Trump's administration who were quote unquote uh, had their children separated from their families we had this family separation and that there was a potential uh, windfall for in compensation to these uh, parents. Who had who whose first act in our country was actually violating our law? So um, President Biden was was asked about this, and back on November three, by um, Fox News reporter Peter Ducey, and it went a little something like this. This ought to be good. I I, I think so too. Uh, about the way forward, Mr. President. As you were leaving for your overseas trip, there were reports that were surfacing that your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah, but it's not true. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Okay. So $450,000. Per person, is that what you're saying? That was separated from a family member at the border under under the last administration. That's not going to happen. 
I mean, you heard it right there. You know, Joe Biden said that's not going to happen. I mean, it's pretty, pretty emphatic, pretty emphatic. He, he didn't do it in a low whisper leaning into the microphone, but, you know, it still sounded like a minute. Now, that was on November the 3rd. Now, on November the 4th, uh, White House uh, uh, Deputy Press Secretary uh, Karine Jean-Pierre uh, said um, that President Joe Biden was perfectly comfortable with giving payouts to legal aliens who were separated at the border from uh, from their families under uh, the uh, under President Trump's administration. And uh, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre's comments went a little bit something like this. President Biden is calling these reports about the administration paying up to $450,000 to illegal immigrants who are separated from family members garbage. He says it's not going to happen. But the ACLU says that it is. So who is right? What, are you talking about the question you asked him yesterday? Yes. So um, if it saves taxpayer dollars and puts uh, the disastrous history of the previous administration's use of zero tolerance and family separation behind us, the president is perfectly comfortable with the Department of Justice settling with the individuals and families who are currently in litigation with the U.S. government. You know, DOJ can obviously speak more to that process. The president was, what he was reacting to uh, was the dollar figure that was mentioned, that you mentioned to him yesterday. Uh, as press accounts to date indicate, there's been press accounts on this, DOJ made clear to the plaintiffs that the reported figures are higher than anywhere that a settlement can land. Again, this is a this is something that the Department of Justice can can speak to. I, I do not have anything more to add but, to this. But if it's not if he's not okay with four hundred fifty thousand dollars, how much money is he okay giving? This is something, again, Peter, this is something that the Department of Justice is going to handle. I just laid out what he was thinking and how this is the process was moving forward. I, the, the DOJ will talk to the specifics and, of and this. And so what changed then from yesterday? You're saying that he would be perfectly comfortable settling with these families who broke the law to come here. But yesterday he said that's not going to happen. I, first of all, let's remember how we got here, how we got to a place where we're dealing with families being separated. This is coming from the last administration cruel, inhuman, immoral, immoral uh, policies against, against, against just people. It's separating children from their families, 18-month-olds, 2-year-olds, 5-year-olds from their families. That's how we got here, is because of the last administration. This is what we're trying to deal with here in this administration. So let's be very clear of how we got here and what's happening. Anything else that you would like to know about this, again, I'll, I'll, I'll send you to the Department of Justice. I can't speak to specifics, any more specifics on this. Okay, well, that seems to, uh, that seemed to kind of contradict her boss just from uh, uh, 24 hours uh, prior to that. You know, so it, so she said, uh, Jean-Pierre says, so if it saves taxpayers dollars and puts the disastrous history of the previous administration's use of zero tolerance and family separation behind us, the president is perfectly comfortable with the Department of Justice settling with the individuals and families who are currently in litigation with the United States government. So, okay, let's figure out, you know, what's the, what exactly is this? Well, first of all, let's figure out how it saves taxpayer dollars to reportedly uh, pay each illegal alien up to that was victim, uh, quote unquote, victim under this uh, separation policy, four hundred fifty thousand dollars each. So, a f say a family of four 
um, two parents, $900,000. So how is that saving the taxpayer money? How is that saving taxpayer dollars? Well, I guess whenever you're so, uh, you know, with an administration that is so mathematically challenged to where a $3.5 trillion spending spree in the Biden build back redder plan will cost zero. I, I guess that you can rationalize that uh, 900000 or $450,000 per illegal alien is, is somehow cost, you know, somehow saves taxpayer money. So this is, this is how perverted this has been. So apparently sometime within that 24 hour period, uh, somebody had gotten to uh, Joe Biden and said, you know, sir, I'm not really sure if you might've dozed off like you did in the climate summit last week, or you might've dozed off in one of our meetings, but here, this is exactly what your policy is uh, because this is what we had come up to come up with. And so uh, Joe Biden then on, and so this is Joe Biden on November the 5th, 48 hours after he said that this was a garbage report and that, you know, $450,000 going to uh, illegal immigrants was, wasn't going to happen. So this is 48 hours later after apparently somebody in the administration had uh, uh, woke him up and told him exactly what his policy is. Uh, let's go to cut five, Mr. Producer. No, I didn't uh, say that. Let's get it straight. You said everybody coming across the border gets five hundred, four hundred fifty thousand dollars. So the number was what you had a problem. The number I was referring to. Okay. Now here's the thing. Sure. If in fact, because of the the outrageous behavior of the last administration, you coming across the border, whether it was legal or illegal, and you lost your child, you lost your child. He's gone. You deserve some kind of compensation, no matter what the circumstance. What that will be, I have no idea. I have no idea. But you're okay with DOJ negotiating the settlement. And so, um, yeah, definitely showing a little bit of anger there, and uh, you know, not not doing the not doing the creepy lean forward whisper into the microphone here this time. And we were, uh, it was the. Uh, it was the, you know, the, the sudden increase in volume and, uh, and outrage. And then apparently somebody hit the remote control and he went back down to a normal conversation level there. So um, it really, uh, I don't know, it's puzzling. And, um, you know, this, this type, I mean, this type of behavior, the, 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 um, the, the whispering and the, the difference of emotion just all of a, all of a sudden, you know, those are, those are some signs I have a, a little bit of experience in um, in observing um, people in social in, in mental decline, uh, and uh, sadly, uh, and I think you know this is kind of one of those things. It's just kind of a really a, a, a sway of emotions that really doesn't make much sense whatsoever. But anyway, apparently. Um, Joe Biden has pivoted and, you know, they do deserve something. Don't know what exactly the uh, the amount will be. Uh, he hasn't been informed of that here yet, but I guess at, at some point his staff will tell him. So we'll see where that goes, but that's just, you know, 
total, absolute insanity. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back and we're going to dive into this uh, this immigration uh, issue a little bit more and, and, and get beyond the rhetoric and take a look at some of the facts in this case. So join us here on the other side in just a couple minutes on Freedom's Call on Key Radio KEYK 89.3 Lake of the Ozarks. This public affairs moment is presented by the conventionofstates.com. As loving parents, we work hard in order to give our children a quality education. We would go to extremes to give them that bright future they so richly deserve. If you're a parent with a huge interest in the future of your children, then you need to hear this. This is a public affairs moment from conventionofstates.com. What does your child know about American history, American civics, or our Constitution? Shockingly, most children have no idea about the answer. And you can't blame them. We've placed less emphasis on the history of our country. And surprisingly enough, our leaders don't care. There's a rich chance to grant your children the opportunity to learn about a fantastic part of American history. It talks about a smart move by the founders to reset the Constitution in case anything goes wrong with Article 5. If you're curious, visit conventionofstates.com to satisfy that curiosity. Okay, welcome back, everybody, and let's let's dig into this uh, immigration just a little bit. Uh, you know, zero tolerance, family separation. Now that now that's great rhetoric, and it sounds really bad. But let's take a look at the the truth behind this claim. When when most immigrants reach our southern border, they do not have their birth certificate, proof of identity, or some sort of genealogical charts. I mean, the countries that they're fleeing from do not likely have. You know, very good record keeping uh, them, themselves to identify to identify these individuals. So it's up to the Custom and Border Patrol officers to determine whom belongs to whom. You you can add to that the estimate that one fourth to one third of children arriving at the border have been sexually abused at some point during their trip. Uh, medical personnel administer you know numerous rape kits. And you look at the people who are in control of this, it's the Mexican drug cartels control the traffic to the U.S. southern border. And it's estimated that they're paid up to $10,000 per person to arrange travel from, you know, whatever Central American country to, you know, to the United States. And that money fuels the cartels and increases the amount of drugs flowing into our country. The Biden administration, whenever, uh, whenever people were exiting Cuba, and trying to trying to get the trying to travel the 90 miles from Havana, Cuba, in the northern part of the island, to Miami, that they were turned away. They said, "No, you can't come here." Now I wonder why that is. I wonder if it has anything to do with Cubans are escaping directly, truly, you know, personal persecution and um, you know a, a communist government an oppressive communist police state. So they might be a little bit less inclined to vote for that when they come here to the United States. Might have something to do with that. I think if you look at um, you know, the, de- the demographics and voting patterns of you know, first-generation gen- Cuban Americans as opposed to first-generation uh, you know, people from El Salvador, Guatemala, um, you know Venezuela. I have to see those statistics. I'd say they're probably you know skewed a little bit more, kind of towards where the Cubans are, but just not to that same extent. Um, 
you know, there, there, might, there might be, I know the difference between correlation and causation. I'd say there's at least a correlation there at the, at the bare minimum. So um, I think that's interesting. So definitely, you know, conservatives are not the ones that are, are, are politicizing this. It's absolutely being politicized by uh, those uh, individuals who desire open borders in, in some type of a some type of a, a plan to, you know, I hear this all the time to, you know, you're just afraid of the changing demographics of the United States. I'm not afraid of the changing demographics of the United States. I'm afraid of the changing mindset of the United States. I don't care where you come from, what color you are, race, color, creed, ethnicity, whatever. It doesn't matter. If you embrace the values of America and you embrace, you know, you you come here to better yourself, to embrace freedom, provide for yourself and leave our country better than – Better than it was when you got here. Better than it was when you found it. A hundred percent. But follow our legal immigration uh, process to come into the country. Now, incidentally, there are hundreds of thousands, millions of uh, of of you know of American citizens that have come here from other countries that quite frankly contribute a whole heck of a lot more to the betterment of our country than a lot of natural born citizens. No question about that whatsoever. And, and God bless them for it. And, you know, I am there to fight shoulder to shoulder with them. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's just the changing mindset that, that concerns me. So, well, we're going to take a quick break here and uh, here at the bottom of the hour, and we'll come back here and we'll pick up on this debate because it is very, very crucial, and it's uh, we, we really need to understand the motives behind this. So we'll be back right here on Freedom's Call. <laughs> 